Amen. Friends, we're not going to have a Bible reading at the beginning because we're going to have lots of little readings as we go along. Um, we are, though, going to look, about, look at Hebrews, so you might want to turn in your Bibles to Hebrews. Um, this is the first of many, many weeks where we're going to be looking at um, said book. Uh, and so this week is very much an overview, and I'm not allowed to stray into the contents of chapter one because that will spoil it for the preacher next week who is me. <laughs> Uh, so, Hebrews uh, is, um, hopefully you've all found it's in the New Testament. It comes towards the end. If you get as far as Revelation, gone too far, come back from there, past the Johns and the Peters, and, and then you'll find... Well, yes, it might be 1201. You're there. Okay, well done. So, what's a Hebrew apart from the gender of a person who bakes the coffee. <laughs> it's a bit smaller. An Israelite, yes. A Hebrew. A, an Old Testament child of God. We use all these terms quite interchangeably, don't we? Israelites, Hebrews... Chosen people of God, God's chosen people, Jews even. So, already from the title, I think we can begin to say, most likely this is written to a group of people who have some link with Hebrew heritage. Probably. Or maybe it's by, at the moment, Kind of we're left because it's kind of it just says Hebrews, doesn't it? And yet Hebrews isn't actually appear in the text uh, particularly at all in terms of who it's written to. Um, so if you if you just look at the first couple of, of verses for me, it's not one of these that's that's clearly like um, say for example the previous page Philemon from Paul to Philemon. It's um, more of a circular letter that goes around to or a statement that goes to a number of people. So, um, let's just think a bit, though. Hebrews, then, if, if we equate Hebrews with Jews, with Israelites, with God's chosen people from the Old Testament, what's the basic difference between Jews and Christians? Jesus, thank you very much. Jesus himself, Jesus was a Jew. Okay, so the difference between Jews and Christians is that Christians understand Jesus to be the Messiah, but Jews don't. Okay, well, yes, okay, you then get this kind of middle strand, don't we, of Messianic Jews who accept Jesus as the Messiah and still live within a Jewish cultural setting. And that's fine. But um, I, I think as we read this letter, we'll discover that actually this is one of the key underlying principles, is to say the difference between Jews and Christians, or between Hebrews and followers of the way, if we use first century terminology, is that actually 
followers of the way recognize Jesus as the way, the truth, and the life, the Messiah, the one who saves us, the one who is the savior of the world. And so, um, there's quite a bit in Hebrews about not going back to our old ways, as in, for these guys, not going back to the synagogue, not going back to Jewish worship, and recognizing that actually this is quite uh, tempting for them. It's the same God, and reduces the persecution, the stress, the loss of property, and so on. We'll come to it in a minute and look at all that. Um, but this is the biggest thing, is actually, are you going to stay as distinctively Christian or merge in with their, what was for them, their Jewish cultural background? And in a sense, we have a similar issue today, don't we? Are we going to be distinctively Christian or are we going to merge in with the social melee of the day and therefore not stand out? So bear that in mind as we look at this. Um, just um, take Hebrews for me and flick through it, uh, and you can tell me the structure yourselves. Uh, if you look at chapter 1, um, you could just look at the headlines for me, because I presume everybody's got headlines. You guys haven't got a Bible, I'm sorry. There's at least one here, it's sitting closed. Um, in fact, there's two there. Okay. Let's just pause for you. Okay, so um, you'll see uh, headlines here, God's final word, his son, and then the son is superior to angels. Um, the, the biggest issue of chapter one that's dealt with is that some angel, angels are sometimes described as sons of God. So if Jesus is the son of God, is he one of the sons of God and therefore an angel? And that's the kind of thing that, that Hebrews opens with, but we'll look at that more next week, so don't, don't panic about that tonight. Um, chapter two then... Um, is a bit more about, well, if Jesus isn't an angel, then what is he? Um, and chapter 3 is a bit of a turning point. If you look at 3 verse 1 for me. Therefore, holy brothers and sisters, who share in the heavenly calling, fix your thoughts on Jesus, whom we acknowledge as our apostle and high priest. Notice those last two words, apostle and all four words, apostle and high priest. Those are the next two things that, that, that this writer wants to talk about. This is chapter 3, verse 1, if you're following me. Um, so chapter 3 and chapter 4 begin to talk about Jesus as the apostle, our apostle, the, the one who is, uh, well, what does he mean by apostle? So we'll, we'll talk about that when it comes to chapter 4. Um, and then if you skip over the page, at least as I'm, my pagination has it, verse 4, verse 14, has it, Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has ascended into heaven, and so on and so on and so on. Um, there's a lot then in chapter 4, 5, no, end of chapter 4, 5, 6, 7, all about Jesus as the high priest. And how can you be a high priest if you're not a Levite? Ah, no, says the writer to the book of Hebrews, Jesus is a, is a high priest in the order of Melchizedek. And if you don't know who a Melchizedek is, is in three months' time, then, then, then we've failed. Um, basically, he was... He was a chap who appeared out of nowhere in, in Genesis, and Abraham gave him a tenth of his spoils. But he was a like high priest of, um, of God. 
yes, in Salem, hence Jerusalem, Jehu, the God's, anyway, we'll come to that in a few, few chapters' time. Um, chapter 8 is about, um, all about high priest, and so on and so on, chapter 9, 10, 11, there's a lot about high priest in, in, in Hebrews, in Hebrews, and then you get in chapter 11 onwards, very much an application of given we can have confidence in putting our faith in Jesus as the Messiah who is both our apostle and our high priest, then what are we going to do about it? How are we going to live out our lives? So chapters 11, 12 and 13 begin to give us some thinking about how we might, how we might live our lives, how we might live in response to God's love for us and how God um, works with us. So that as a kind of basic outline for you. This is where we're going in the next three months. May, June, July. Yeah, hopefully by the time the summer holidays come by, we'll have done that. Okay? That's easy, isn't it? Um, now, we, lots of people want to know and think it's helpful to know where a book was written from and where it was written to. Um, and frankly, we don't know. Um, however... However, there's quite a bit of respect for the temple in here. Um, and some people have argued it was, it was written into a, 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 Jew, a, a Jerusalem-type setting. But then, oh, come on. Even today, the Jews go, next year in Jerusalem, we'll do the Passover at the end of the Passover celebration. You know, there's still a high view of Jerusalem. So wherever you live in, if you're Jewish... You want to go to Jerusalem. You've got a high view of Jerusalem. So I don't really think that, that, that doesn't float my boat as an answer. However, I wonder if it's an Italian job. Just, just read. Well, read for me the last couple of verses of Hebrews. Hebrews 13, therefore. Yeah, the last bit, from 22 onwards, let me read you that for you. Brothers and sisters, I urge you to bear with my word of exhortation, for in fact I've written to you quite briefly. You might be pleased to know. It's only taken us three months to get there by the time we get there. Anyway, um, I want you to know that our brother Timothy has been released. If he arrives soon, I will come with him to see you. So it's somewhere that Timothy might have gone. But then look at this. Greet all your leaders and all the Lord's people. Those from Italy send you their greetings. Grace be with you all. So I kind of wonder whether the writer here is living amongst a, a, a sort of mixed nationality of believers, and yet he's writing to a group in Italy because he's saying, you know, your fellow, your, your fellow countrymen send you their greetings. That's my wonder. Hmm... Peter's looking puzzled there. He's going to go and do some research in the next, next three weeks before he's in again. Could be the other way around, yes. Well, I did think about. I did think about that, but then I thought, if I was writing, if I was writing to say my contacts in India, would I write those from England greet you, or would I actually say, you know, we greet you, we send you our greetings? Or would I say, if I was writing to people in India, actually, Paul and others that have visited you, or others that are from India, send you their greetings? I don't know. 
And it, you could argue it both ways, and I haven't had take, taken myself back to the, the Greek in which it was written, um, or at least it's come to us, um, to be able to be sure. But there's just a hint that it was an Italian connection, at least. When was it written? This is a much more interesting question. Just flick with me to chapter 8, verse 13. Chapter 8, verse 13. This is the back end of a discussion about the new covenant, so the new way that Jesus has of relating to the world, which was inaugurated with Jesus' death and resurrection. And verse 13 says, are we there? Chapter 8, verse 13. Do you want, do you want a... By calling the covenant, this covenant, new, he has made the first one obsolete, and what is obsolete and outdated will soon disappear. So just flag that for a minute, and remember that when Jesus was around on earth, they were still doing sacrifices in the temple. Or they were again, having had a bit of a break, because they, um, they had a pagan things happening in the temple for a bit. But anyway, they, they, were, they were doing um, sacrifices. So, you know, remember Joseph and Mary went to the temple to offer some doves in, in thanksgiving for the birth of Jesus. You know, the whole temple sacrifice system was working still. That's kind of AD naught, we, Jesus, uh, Joseph and Mary, but still in Jesus' adult life that was happening. And historians tell us that in AD 70, the Romans sacked the temple and destroyed it. And um, it was finished. And there's been no more sacrifices or, or burnt offerings or anything like that in the temple since AD 70. So I think we're probably looking at somewhere between 30 and 70 from this AD 30 and AD 70 in this, from this passage, this verse, because the writer is trying to say what was obsolete will soon disappear. There was still soon, there won't be any more. So perhaps the tension was rising with the Romans. You know, perhaps he could kind of see the writing on the wall that soon the temple would be destroyed. But it hadn't yet been. That makes sense? So far so good? Okay. Um, then go back, no, go forward, sorry. It's another 13, but it's chapter 13, verse seven for me. Would anybody like to read that um, out? Chapter 13, verse seven. Remember those who rule over you, who have spoken the word of God to you, whose faith follow, considering the outcome of their conduct. Okay. So remember your leaders, those who, who you follow who spoke the word of God to you, consider the outcome of their way of life. Now, I don't think the outcome of your way of life is yet completely certain. There is scope for any of us to go off the rails. However, the outcome of um, Sally Tucker's life is certain. She died a couple of years ago. So I think there's a strong argument to say that the earliest leaders who brought the word of God to you, largely they've died. Seem reasonable? Yes, yes, yes. Okay. Um, sorry? Yes, faithful unto death. The outcome of their life, of their way of life, is, is that they've, they've lived faithfully and they've died. So, 
That puts us nearer AD 70 than AD 30. Just kind of because of the way life goes. You know, if people were adults, even the, you know, youngest adults at 20, say, when Jesus was walking the earth at AD, in AD 30, if you think of an average lifespan as being 40 to 50, 48 to 50 years, you know, in 30 years' time, AD 60, many of those are beginning to die off. I know now we think 50 is young, but actually 50 in days of yore was quite old, okay? So you've got that potential there for kind of somewhere AD 60-ish. And then remember, then, then let's go back a bit. Let's go right back to the beginning almost. Um, chapter 2, verse 3. It's a similar statement, really. Chapter 2, verse 3. How shall we escape if we ignore so great a salvation? This salvation, which was first announced by the Lord, that is by Jesus, was confirmed to us by those who heard him. So we've got a whole sense of there being eyewitnesses to Jesus bringing the good news to this group of believers. Try me. It has potential. We don't frankly know whether this is the same Timothy as Timothy and Paul who, who walked together in Acts, say, Acts 16, for example. Um, you know, or Timothy that was the same Timothy that was written to. Um, you know, Timothy 1, Timothy 2, Timothy. Um, saying, you know, be bold, be strong for the Lord. No, that's a song, isn't it? Um, <laughs> but he's, you know... Don't be timid. That's the word. Thank you. No, no more timid Timothy. Um, Sorry? Maybe Greg can be preserved. <laughs> well, he's kind of old enough, he might have been. Um, sorry. Oh, dear, I'm being recorded. So, <laughs> when was it written? Somewhere in the 80s, I would say. Okay? It, it, it doesn't hugely matter. But somewhere before the destruction of the temple, but well after Jesus walked the earth. Um, and and there's, there are hints that it that there'd been quite some time that these guys had been together. So, for example, look at um, chapter 10, verse 32 for me. Where the writer is reminding them. So, uh, anyone like to read verse 10, verse 32, 33, and 34 for me? Sympathised with those in prison and joyfully accepted the confiscation of your property 
because you knew that you yourself had better and lasting possessions. Wow. So this is a group of people who clearly have faced persecution and faced it down. Just, just to remind ourselves, conflict full of suffering. They were publicly exposed to insult and persecution. Or they stood alongside those who were being insulted and persecuted. You suffered along with those in prison. Mm, might mean that the believers from their community that went to prison were then killed. You know, fed to the lions type stuff. Don't know. Might be kind of slight hint there. But, but those that survived certainly stood alongside those who were in prison. And, and, and you know, remember, if you, yeah, in, many place, in some places in the world now, if you go to prison, your relatives and friends are the ones that feed you. And certainly back then, you only really got fed if you had relatives or friends who were willing to stand alongside you and bring food to you. Um, otherwise you were on stale bread and water type thing. You know, it was, it was not a, no, not a, it was not much more than a survival diet unless somebody brought food to you. Um, and so, uh, just, yeah, that, that sense. And, but then, you know, if you're going to go into the prison every day to take food, then they go, well, you're associated with that one, then well, should we arrest you as well? You know, sort of thing. Are you, are you, are you associated with... Ah, oh, your associates, great. We can, we can arrest you if you're coming to feed this one, for example. Oh, shocking. Yes? Um, and, and you joyfully accepted the confiscation of your property. So, Peter, that car of yours that we've seen you using to take Bibles to the nightclub, we're going to take that off you now. That's all right, isn't it? Tony for scrap. Tony scrap, yes. It's not exactly a Tesla, is it? <laughs> but, you know, all that you're your house. Or, or your, your whatever. You know, you go to feed your, 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 your prison mate and the guard takes a fancy to your cloak. And, well, if you want to leave prison, you leave your cloak behind. Just because... Sometimes you've got a bait back sheesh, you know, to get yourself in and out of the prison. Grease the palms of the system to be able to get yourself... But that's effectively confiscation of property. It could have been, you know, who knows what. You can imagine how it goes. But, this is, but there's a sense in which it, it was a lifestyle that clearly the authorities were not encouraging. Let's put it that way. It, that feels a little mild, perhaps. But actually to say that Jesus is the Lord, the Messiah, and to stand firm on that grounds for these people in those days brought them conflict, insult, persecution, uh, prison or suffering alongside with those in prison, and loss of property. That's what it was like in the early days. And you can imagine it. You know, remember, this is written... To, to our best understanding, it's written to a group who used to be Jewish. And then they get all enthusiastic about this chap they call Jesus, who they think of as Messiah, but all, most of their leadership, officially at least, have said, no, Jesus is not the Messiah. 
That's why we put him to death. But then you've got a whole group of priests who come to faith and, and others at kind of a sort of middle management, shall we say, uh, some of whom keep hold of their synagogues. I guess others lose them or lose access to them. Uh, and, and oh, well, the official temple system doesn't change. There's still the sacrifices. There's still the, 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 the demands, historically at least, of, of sacrifice, of tithing, of, of bringing a grain offering, of saying thank you for... And then we're adding this understanding that Jesus is the Messiah, who then kind of changes things. Jesus wasn't exactly very pro-temple, was he? You know, one of the things he got arrested for was saying, you know, I'll tear this temple down and I'll build, build it again in three days. He was talking about himself, but nobody else understood it that way. They always you know, understood it about the, the building, which had taken at that point 40-something years to be built, rebuilt, from the last ruination of the temple. You know, they were a bit cross with him. So, um, hmm, persecution then for faith. I suspect a few people in England think they're a bit persecuted for their faith, but I suspect we ain't seen nothing yet. And what we see is loads to come. Hmm. I'm aware of, I can't remember exactly where now, but there's one church whose members are all committed between them to memorizing the Bible. So that when the day comes when their Bibles are confiscated, they'll be able to between them write it down again. And we just go look on the internet. But, you know, you can imagine, they... That, that kind of thing could be coming for us. But, um, so I think then the result of some of that persecution was that sense of just having to think carefully about how much of a Jewish lifestyle are we, can we adopt without, uh, and, and still claiming faith, but with them without attracting persecution, without attracting negative attention from the um, authorities. So, for example, um, you get this heart cry in chapter 10 of let's continue to meet together. So, let's read us that. Um, Chapter 10, verse 24, um, which is one that often gets um, trotted out, certainly from vicars who want people to come to church. Um, 24, 25, anybody willing to read to us? Chapter 10, verse 24, 25. Okay, so the day is the day of the return of the Lord, and I propose that we look at that a bit more when we get to chapter 10, but there is a whole early church kind of issue, which is kind of going, Jesus is coming back really soon, so why should we save for a pension? Because we won't need a pension, because Jesus will be back before we get old enough to need a pension. Well, it's not really couched in terms of pensions, but you know that sense of we don't need to invest in the future because Jesus is coming back this week, next week, certainly sometime soon. 
And after 2,000 years, we were all a bit blasé about that. Um, and yes, I'm reminded of the old um, comic strip, Look Busy, Jesus is Coming. Um, <laughs> anyway, I'm sorry, probably don't know. Um, so, some are in the habit of giving up meeting together. So you can imagine that actually, you know, you can imagine there are some people who are saying, yes, I, I, I'm still Christian, but I, I'll just go to the synagogue or the temple, thanks very much. I'm quite happy just to do that and, and blend in a bit more. Um, and notice, even Peter did that. Let's keep your fingers in Hebrews, but go, go, go back into um, Galatians for me. Galatians comes after uh, 1 and 2 uh, Corinthians. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, Romans, Corinthians, Corinthians. Oh, Romans comes in there somewhere as well, doesn't it? Sorry. Oh, shush, Saunders. Galatians chapter 2. Eleven sixty-nine. So this is this is Paul writing about Cephas, as in Peter. Galatians two eleven. When Cephas came to Antioch, that is Peter, I opposed him to his faith because he stood condemned. For before certain men came from James, he used to eat with the Gentiles. But when they arrived, he began to draw back and separate himself from the Gentiles because he was afraid of those who belonged to the circumcision group. The other Jews joined him in this hypocrisy so that by their hypocrisy, even Barnabas was led astray. When I saw they were not acting in line with the truth of the gospel, I said to Peter in front of them all, you're a Jew, yet you live like a Gentile and not like a Jew. How is it then that you force Gentiles to follow Jewish customs? And it, it keeps on. But that was one of the key issues was if you're Jewish, do you need to follow Jewish customs? If you're Gentile, as in non-Jew, and you come to faith in Jesus, do you need to follow Jewish customs? It's kind of, this, is, this is couched in the terms of, do you make the non-Jews do the Jewish stuff as well as being Christian? Or, uh, but it can go the other way. Do you make the Jews... Do the Jews continue in, the, in their synagogue, in their traditional way of re- worshipping God, who they still serve, and they recognise Jesus as the Messiah or not? Um, so, you know, Peter, even Peter, great Apostle Peter, didn't get it right all the time, from Paul's perspective at least. And so you can imagine that actually the pressure on some people to, to, to stop meeting with the Christians and to meet solely amongst the Jews, even if they still in their hearts recognise Jesus as Messiah, was quite high. Does that make sense? Yes. So I think we can, we can understand then that the people who read this were brought up Jewish, hence the title Hebrews. They had accepted Jesus as Messiah. They had been persecuted for their faith and possibly were still being, and were getting to that point of perhaps not being able to retain Jewish praxis, so the, the going to the synagogue, and also faith in Jesus the Messiah on account of the increasing persecution. So the difference between the Jewish Christians and their friends and relatives who were just Jews all turned on an understanding of Jesus, which is where we were a few minutes ago, isn't it? 
Who is Jesus? And that's where the book opens. But it's also, I think, where we're called to be clear. Do we really understand Jesus? Do we domesticate him too much? Do we really take what he says seriously? That passage from Galatians I read continues, we know that a person is justified by faith in Jesus. So we too have put our faith in Christ Jesus, that we may be justified by faith in Christ. But we need to live it out. Now I'm going to pause, I'm going to show you a video which doesn't directly relate to Hebrews, but it relates to the issue around who we understand Jesus is. So it's a kind of, almost, it's not quite, no, it's not the second, it's the underlying issue that Hebrews was written into, which I think might help us to think about how we take and appropriate Hebrews for today. So we're going to show this is eight minutes, and then I'll come back and we'll talk a bit more. Is that okay?